Welcome back to the first step, everybody. I am Joel Sochek, and here with me today is Olga Kempora. Welcome, Olga, to the show. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to be with you. So we don't know each other that deeply, but I love these conversations because it gives us a chance to get to know each other a little bit more. So why don't you just to start off the show, introduce a little bit about the kind of work you do and where you're from and who are you? Beautiful. So, well, thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And Jill, thank you for uh, generosity to uh, invite me to, to your podcast and to enter the doorway to your beautiful listeners and, you know, the work that you do. So, as you can hear, I have an accent, right? So, where do you think I'm from? That's really <laughs> the first question. And Yes, it's a it's a European accent. I'm originally from the Czech Republic. Uh, today, it's known as a Czechia, and uh, currently, I've been living, you know, in the United States on the East Coast for the past twenty eight years. And um, I am married. My husband, he is a musician playing for the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. We have two sons. And I am a yoga teacher slash therapist and also a life coach. My niche really in yoga has been working with people who have a chronic back pain and really helping people to understand who have any pain, that the pain and its origin, it's not always just, you know, that the part of the body is hurting, but it's coming deep down from the lifestyle, you know, we choose to live and many times from the stresses and pressure that we have, and we don't know how to um, resolve those. So I have been working on the somatic, you know, level with people with yoga, asana, pranayama practice, breathing practice, meditation, but also helping, you know, create a mindset for people. I mainly work with the man and it's just really interesting because I, I didn't think about it unless, you know, a couple of years ago, as I was looking at my clientele, I was surprised that about, you know, 80% of my clients are men. And um, so that's really interesting. Um, I think that men probably feel a little bit more comfortable just to be in a space one-on-one and uh, share, you know, their troubles and and just can probably feel more comfortable doing yoga, you know, in that type of a, type of a setting. But it doesn't mean that I don't have, you know, my clients as, as women as well, but it's just you know, it's interesting. It's just kind of what is coming my way and I'm open to it. And I'm just great to, I'm grateful to just kind of, you know, uh, work with people on both on the physical and just kind of, you know, mindfulness levels to help them to up level, you know, their lives. Amazing. Well, I know that we're going to be able to easily fill our half an hour, 45 minutes, maybe an hour even today to talk about yoga because, and all my listeners will know this, just how passionate I am about these practices that you speak of and how beneficial they are to our lives. And I know that you already know this, but maybe some listeners don't, um, that these practices really do touch our lives on a very deep level. So I agree, most people come to me, and I'm sure you find this too, with some kind of physical health ailment. That's usually why people come to the practice. And then what we get to see and what anybody who's done the work gets to see is that even if that what that's what draws us to the practice, what we inevitably end up touching are so many deep things, like you say, like lifestyle or stress or 
um, mental or emotional patterns always seem to have some interplay into our overall picture of health and wellness. So let's see where to begin this discussion. Maybe I want to start with what was it for you on your yoga journey that made you realize that this is what you wanted to dedicate your life to? Do you want to tell us a little bit more about how you got started and maybe how you saw yoga affecting your life positively? Beautiful. That's such a phenomenal question. Um, I really just living where I come from, I really come from a place and country that yoga was not shared at, and taught, you know, so publicly as in other places in the world. And it was due to just the government that was uh, communist government. So they were very cautious about any other, any, any just kind of, you know, facets of getting people into deeper sense of having awareness about their body and about their mind, you know. So I remember just kind of being a little kid. There was just some sense of curiosity inside of me. I felt that life was just a little bit more of what I was sensing around me. And it was really interesting when I look back, I was just so drawn to read, you know, like books about Albert Schweitzer, um, Einstein, you know, and, and people who just really created Gandhi, people who just have created a value in other people's lives to uplift them and to create something that kind of seemed to be impossible, you know, within the society and just kind of uplevel it. So that was something where I started and, and I did come across you guys. So my mom and my first memory is just being five years old kid and just seeing my mom doing downward facing dog and me crawling under. And so that was my first, you know, like, okay, you know, I, of course I later on, I realized, oh, my mom, she's been doing yoga. And I think my quest really, I was always very energetic kid, you know, and it, you know, it kept me away from any probably other troubles because I was doing, I was, I was in fencing, I was in um, skiing, I was in swimming and, and running. And, and I did more of most of these sports. I was doing it just kind of, you know, competitively, you know, fencing. I was actually fencing on the national level for my country, which was really just kind of a lot of fun. And then when I came to, on a university level, you know, yoga was just something that was always in a background, but I came from a really little place, from a little town with 35,000 people there. So I didn't have too many resources. And I remember I was first week, you know, um, you know, at, at school and we started talking with a friend of mine. I realized that she knows a little bit about yoga. So we started talking about it. And then the next week she comes to me and she says, I met this guy on a train who wrote the first book, you know, about yoga in my country. And, you know, she just says, if you want to, he actually was very generous to come and to visit with him. So that was my first kind of, you know, an introduction to yoga to meet actually somebody who studied with Swami Shivananda, that, who is kind of, you know, was uh, really recognized as, as one of the gurus or swamis, you know, in, in, in that time, in the time period, period where, where just kind of, you know, he was studying with him and just knowing that he was also in India. So that was kind of like a first, you know, introduction to it. 
But honestly, for me, it was not so much about poses because I was very young person, very athletic, but I was drawn more, you know, Jill to, you know, like the fine, you know, kind of like a deeper purpose, you know, who I am, what I am doing here, why I'm here. And for some reason, yoga, you know, represented that doorway for me. You know, I just always kind of, you know, felt that beyond the meditation and breathing practices that there is something deep into it that just kind of is going to help me to a little bit kind of make a sense, you know, of myself. So really my quest came and I see a lot of people also doing that, that they might start completely with meditation and breath work and it takes them to yoga and then vast majority of people are like, you know, like you are saying, they have a pain, you know, or they, and they hear about yoga. But I think that where it meets just kind of, you know, the deep kind of, you know, core yoga for all of the people, if they stay with it is that they realize, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, as they start doing the practices, you know, they feel immediately that there is some sort of sense of you know, connection with yourself that you have never, ever had with yourself. Like, it feels so good. I feel so grounded. And I feel just so, you know, like at peace, you know, and connected to myself. And I think so that was, that was my first really real experience with yoga, feeling that. And that just kind of kept me going in, you know, in my quest. Oh my God. I love this. <laughs> just... <laughs> There's so much to what you're saying that I can draw from. I mean, I think too that there is something also happening in this period of time on our planet collectively where it's like we're in a phase of evolution to our higher selves or something like there was a period prior to where we were just surviving we just needed to like figure out how to feed ourselves and house ourselves and you know if you think back a few generations I think our you know my great-grandparents or my great-great-grandparents like they didn't have time to reflect and ponder for the most part they were like prepping food and harvesting food and <laughs> and just surviving you know just really surviving and I think we're in this phase where a lot of us and some people, you know, 40 years ago, some people 60 years ago, but even more so now that and I bet listeners can relate that we're all at this point starting to hear this call of like, what is the point? Like whatever we have been doing seems to be and you felt it really young. And I would say I felt I feel it really young, too. Um, there is this this nudge from inside that's like, there's got to be something more than what we're being sold or told, like working nine to five every day and just accumulating wealth or knowledge. Like, what is the point to all of this? I think we're all feeling this, this inkling or this intuition that there's something deeper and more meaningful that wants to come out and through and to us. And you speak of Gandhi, and I would put in that category, Martin Luther King. And there's so many of these people that have like, tapped into that, like, I think I'm here for a bigger purpose, other than just to earn money or make a living. And I would say that these practices, and they're ancient, right? We're talking about practices that are, I mean, there's definite proof of 
yoga being around for 2,500 years ago, but even 10,000 years ago, and I would say since forever in every culture, traditionally, there's been some practices that help to put us in touch with this part of us that is more connected to something deeper. And I think it's actually more recent that we've been cut off from that. Like I remember going to the Louvre with my uh, with my kids. I took them on a trip to Europe a few years ago, and there was a exhibit around ancient Egypt, and there were a lot of statues of people sitting with their eyes closed in some kind of meditative position and turning inward. And I thought, like, yeah, this is not something new that we're just discovering, right? This is something about us as humans that we're always, I think looking for our purpose. And it's only recently that our purpose has been to kind of get a job and make money. And I don't know where that comes from. And I don't think it matters. I mean, that could be like a whole other podcast. But I think what I'm coming around to say is that if you're hearing that, if you're hearing that calling from within that you're starting to realize like you're you're not tapped into your bigger purpose, that you don't feel that inherent sense of peace, or that you haven't found a practice or support or guidance in the direction of more of that living in a from a place of meaning or feeling like you're connected to your calling that yoga is definitely a pathway to that 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 touching base with our selves as you say connecting with ourselves which isn't something that we typically do that yoga and meditation and these mindfulness practices are definitely a way if you're listening and feeling like yeah i just feel like i live to work that starting a simple yoga practice is definitely a way to start to get in touch with something that fuels you at a deeper level so why do you what do you think that is like what are we touching when we go inside what do you What do you think yoga is giving us access to that? Yes, yes. You know, I think what is really remarkable about yoga is that the way, you know, if we talk about the asana or poses, right, there is something completely different, you know, that takes place during the yoga practice as you do, you know, you know, as you go through the asanas, because we know that the breath is just absolutely important to just kind of when you do yoga practice. Like we know that most of the practices of yoga poses, we perform on the exhalation, right? We also are kind of, you know, uh, encouraged to breathe more through the nostrils and deep in the throat, you know, just, you know, they talk about the ujjayi breath as, as, as you work, you know, through the poses and i think just 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 that aspect of yoga just being mindful not only about the alignment of the body because you are each asana from the sanskrit we know that the translation is taking a comfortable seat that's what the translation you know of the asana word is from the sanskrit and so we embark on the practice of yoga. And of course, it doesn't feel like a a comfortable seat in the beginning, right? As we are learning about different poses, they can be very challenging. But what is really interesting, you know, is that you work along with the breath, with, with uh, with the asana practice. And I think that that's, you know, 
what is one of the most amazing things about yoga that as you perform the asana on the exhalation, there is a shift in the nervous system that is remarkable. And it's just kind of unique from any other just physical practices that we would do, okay? That it really brings you in the place of balancing the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and more taking you in the place of the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the part of us that is helping us to be more grounded, uh, feeling, you know, present, more grounded, present and connected, right? And that is something I think that a lot of people, a lot of us today will look for that because we feel not grounded, but all over the place, you know, not feeling just, you know, concentrated, but overwhelmed with a lot of different type of thoughts, you know. So what I see with just, you know, people when they come to yoga classes or just, you know, to practice, you know, uh, on one-on-one, I see that immediate, you know, reaction. They just feel like, oh my gosh. You know, I feel completely different. This is kind of like people almost say like, this is kind of like my new drug. And I know what I, I know what they are meaning by that, that the meaning is just kind of, there is really a shift that I am using my body in such a unique way, placing my feet, you know, aligning my just kind of, you know, joints and the spine in a way and taking the breath along with it and an intention that it's suddenly something just kind of, you know, happens that I am actually in very supportive and friendly way. I am asked to be internally still and, you know, for people from the Christian world or in another world, you know, spiritual world, we know this phrase, be still and know I am. And some people, you know, finish it, I am God, right? So we know that the sense of just kind of stilling ourselves, you know, help us to really get in touch in our with our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual just kind of, you know, way who we are. And I think that's why it's, it's yoga has become just so popular this past 20 years, you know, it's just, people don't even question it second times, you know, like I remember just prior when I got into yoga, people still were thinking, oh, this is just kind of weird, you know, what is that about, you know, but today I honestly would say that yoga is absolutely amazing no matter what kind of a foundation you are coming from. If you are just, you know, someone who doesn't have any connection to any kind of like spirituality or somebody who is very much, you know, connected to it. What is What I feel kind of, you know, about yoga is that yoga has that power to really take you deeper to whatever pathway you are on that it helps you and nourishes you is just almost like you know like your yoga to me is like putting in the soil of your being the uh, nourishment that your soil really needs to blossom and and i love that this is kind of you know how i see it because i see people who you know are you know, Catholics or people who are Buddhists or just people from all different kinds, people don't, who don't believe in anything. And yoga resonates with all of the people. So there is something in it that, 
you know, and I call it like the soil of us, of our being, you are like, right, that it just puts some, you know, like nutritions that suddenly we feel like, oh my gosh, this seed, who I am, can really just kind of, you know, start producing the fruits and and just become, you know, who I'm supposed to be in this world. So I really love that. I, I just, that's what I love just, you know, about yoga. And I'm so passionate, you know, to, as I work with people to see what they need. And sometimes it means just kind of to get rid of the pain, you know, in order actually to show them that is just only a surface, you know, and as they kind of get rid of the pain or know how to deal with that, you know, because sometimes we have elements that we have until the end of the life, you know, like diabetes or whatever that could be, you know, some thyroid issues or, and, you know, there are some things that we are born with that we might be just kind of, it's the part of who we are, but I just kind of, you know, it helps us to, yoga helps us just kind of, you know, to take perspective, you know, on that, you know. I, I think that BKS Yengar, one of the very famous yoga teachers, he just says that yoga help us to cure what doesn't have to be endured and endure what cannot be cured. And I think it's such a powerful quote if you think about it. In, in other words, yoga helps us to get rid of the dramas and stories uh, that we just kind of are making like that's the pain, Right. And just like help us to just kind of, you know, realize, no, you don't have to just kind of be in that. And then on the other side, that it helps you to endure what cannot be cured and passionately and in, in a beautiful way, you know, knowing that you have an incredible mission, no matter what just kind of it's going on in your life. I love listening to you talk about this. I can tell you, <laughs> you are as passionate as I am about this subject. And I think anybody who has been touched by this practice in that way understands just how powerful and empowering this practice is. I just love hearing you talk about it. And I just want to reflect back. I think I'm just repeating what you're saying, but sometimes it takes listeners a few times in different words to hear, hear it, you know, drop deep into their understanding when I was listening to you talk, I think what what we get to do when we're doing yoga is draw our attention from outside and bring it in. And I think that's the unique thing about a practice like yoga is that typically in our day, we are attending to through our senses, what we're seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling. And then we're mostly stuck in our brain processing all of this information, thinking, reacting, responding, categorizing, solving, analyzing. And what's so unique, I think, about a practice such as yoga is it brings us back into the body. And as you were describing, as you get more comfortable or as you're, you know, you're looking to be comfortable in that pose and you're tuning into where your feet are and what is happening with your breath you're starting to realize that there is this experience of inside. You start to come in contact with that. You start to become aware of these things that are going on inside of us. And because of that awareness, we start to see that we, as we witness that, as we witness the truth of what's going on inside of us, that we have more choice than otherwise we're aware of. Sometimes things just seem to be happening and we're at the 
you know, the will of whatever is arriving in front of us. But when we become conscious of our inner world, when we slow down enough, tap in enough, we start to see that we can take a breath, a pause, and exhale. And then instead of reacting, we can actually make a choice. And I think that these kinds of practices, mindfulness practices, start to to tune us into and make us realize that we do have everything we need inside. And really we become, as you were saying, like a powerful creator versus a victim to circumstance. And it makes me want to come back around, although we don't have to go that direction, but it makes me think of like what you were saying growing up in the Czech Republic, where it does seem to be like certain cultures or systems um, really don't have that at the top of the priority. Like I would say that we're, we as people in general, depending, I guess, on where we're growing up and in which family and which culture, but in general, we're actually not being given the tools. We're actually not being taught or these practices or 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 wisdom teachings that could better us they're actually not given to us and maybe purposefully because it would liberate us from having or needing so much from these systems so it's an interesting i mean that's a whole other discussion maybe but did do you want to touch on that at all yeah i mean it's just what is really interesting about europe you know or you know, the Eastern part of the Europe, but I think generally, but it's especially about Eastern Europe, you know, where I come from is um, people are very, very well acquainted what, you know, the healthy lifestyle is like, you know. They are very much in eating healthy or trying to do that, you know, although I mean, I I speak of people who really are interested in these things, you know, that you can, you can sense that there is just, it's always the health is like the number one thing, you know, if you talk to people and they always perk up their ears when you start talking on any topic, you know, whatever it goes to compost and, and, and food, or if it goes to talk about cold showers, you know, or ice, or if it's, you know, about biking outdoors or going just kind of being connected to you know to the nature so yes absolutely just kind of you know you know i see that as just you know that's where i come from i come from that place you know where people just always always looking for a very natural way and remedies how to you know help themselves you know of course yoga is kind of you know in addition, taking then yoga, because there are a lot of, I mean, yoga is one of the pathways, you know, and, and it resonates with a lot of people and, and it doesn't resonate. I know that my yoga teacher always told me, you know, like, yoga is not for everyone. And I just didn't know what he meant by that or if it was just judgmental and critical. But he just says, yeah, it's just like with anything else. People people either resonate, you know, with that that type of connecting, you know, themselves, you know, to who they are. Or they just kind of find other, you know, ways. And I think that just to answer your question, what is really kind of, you know, really cool. And and some listeners probably, you know, might know about it, that it's really interesting that before, you know, in the yoga practice, in the whole yoga 
a pathway. What is really interesting is that you don't start normally with practicing asana, practicing the poses. In just kind of those ancient times, actually, the first two practices were yamas and niyamas, okay, which are just, you know, the way, how do I see myself in the world and what kind of things just kind of, you know, I do to just kind of, you know, enable myself to connect with myself, you know, in a way that makes, you know, sense to me. So it really starts, you know, those, they call it kind of like moral codes of behavior, but I think just kind of in our 21st century, we look at it more like really like mindfully connecting just kind of first, you know, who we are. It's kind of really interesting. I always ask about it, you know, uh, in the beginning when I started practice yoga, I was asking my teacher, like, why is it? And he just says, well, you know, the ancient yogis, what they said that, you know, if you just practice physically, you know, the yoga practices, you can actually harm yourself because the ego is there and you want to compare yourself like, oh my gosh, my teacher is doing headstand. I should just kind of start doing that right now as soon as I can. Or just that, you know, the ego is just kind of, you know, right there. It just says that the ego needs to be just kind of, you know, like, feel more quiet so that actually as you practice the yoga that it's more nurturing to you like we know that one of the first just kind of you know yamas is ahimsa or just not really harming yourself and if i do anything in a in a in a beginner class you know that's the first thing i just say guys don't compare yourself to anybody and just practice in a way that you don't harm yourself you know and um and it's something that it's still foreign to us because we are super achievers. And especially here in the United States, I think that people are just, you know, here so beautifully goal-oriented, you know, but it just kind of can also overpower the ego in a way that e ego gets in its way, you know? And I see, I think so. I think just kind of, you know, that is something kind of, you know, really cool to recognize that, that, Many times what happens, and I'm sure that it hap happens to you as a, you know, yoga teacher is that you start working with the asanas because people come for that. And then slowly they start getting the idea as you introduce them, you know, a little bit to get in touch with themselves. They realize, oh, that is just kind of, you know, different also part of myself that I really need to get connected. You know, how am I a friend to myself or am I a worst enemy? Do I have a compassion for other people around me, but I just don't have any compassion for myself, you know? And I think those are their concepts that I think that really, especially, you know, in post-COVID world, we are living, okay? And I know that it just, you know, was such a, and still has been such a challenging, just kind of, you know, uh, hurdle that, you know, the world went and we all of us went. And I know that a lot of people just, you know, start being more tuned into the needs, you know, what they feel and how they feel and, and making some sense of it. And so for the listeners, I just kind of, you know, would like, you know, you guys to know that yoga is just absolutely a beautiful, beautiful way how you can, you know, really understand what has been taking place, you know, in your heart, in your soul, and to make sense of, you know, the anxiety, even depression, or just, you know, things that are going on in your life, because you guys does have the tools 
to just kind of, you know, help these alignments, you know, that we have, you know, in our lives and to help us to just kind of be more healthy. I love that you brought up the eight limbs of yoga. And if listeners haven't heard of that, I can always link. I have a video on it. You can Google it. There's so much on the eight limbs of yoga, but I really appreciate you in your understanding of yoga, sharing these bigger picture ideas about what the practice is, because I think so many people in these last couple decades potentially and depending on where they've come in contact with yoga, but can get left with the impression that yoga is about stretching, that yoga is about the postures. And I really appreciate when a teacher or an instructor has done enough training or has had enough experience with the vast science of yoga to start to touch on some of these ideas, because I always feel gutted when somebody tries yoga and for example they go to a class that's above what they're capable of or it's very physically oriented and then they end up hurting themselves and they say like yoga's not for me <laughs> right right um, so i think it's really important to to educate people that yoga really is a vast science and postures are a part of it. The physical practice is definitely a part of it, but maybe we want to just list quickly. We don't have to go too deep into it, but, and maybe back and forth if, if I get stuck or if you get mm -hmm. stuck, the, the first couple limbs are yama and niyama. And I'm going to do my best. Um, the first five I think are the things that we don't want to do, like we don't want to kill, we don't want to steal, we don't want to lie, um, we don't want to disperse our sexual energy everywhere. And what one am I missing? Ahimsa, Asteya. Yeah, I think that, you know, even if you take just people don't have to know all of them. If you just take one of them and I started just kind of, you know, working on one of them, you know, that you are describing, you know, it, the curiosity is there and they will be just kind of, you know, Googling and researching it and just yeah. kind of, you know, find a little bit, you know, more what all of those are. But I think that, you know, when you are listening to me, to them, you know, like just kind of, you know, the Yama principle, just kind of, uh, it's a huge principle, just Ahimsa, you know, not really, harming yourself and non-harming, you know, others. That's a huge, huge principle that, you know, uh, you know, it can be just kind of something that it's, you know, for some people explore, not just for one class, but just kind of, it's something that can be actually a year intention, you know, you know, how do I do it? What does it mean for me with food? What does it mean for me in my relationship with my boyfriend, girlfriend, or my partner, Right. What does that mean? Uh, how we are a show up just kind of in the world when I am going shopping, you know, or when I am, how am I toward the an animals there? How am I toward just kind of the environment that, that I am in? How am I compassionate with other people who might have completely a different, you know, view on a world than I have? Can I still love them? Can I still just kind of realize that they are as just kind of, you know, humans, as I am, even though they might have completely just kind of, you know, different perspectives. So I kind of, you know, like, you know, looking at these, you know, yamas and niyamas, you know, from just take the first one 
and and study about it because if you would just kind of you know i just will do it actually for us if i google just yama okay i mean it's just uh, of course it shows a lot of yoga studios you know that are called yama but it's just kind of you find a lot of just kind of you know reference you know that you know, you can, you know, dig deeper what just kind of that means and what, what you might just kind of, you know, explore on. But it's just, you know, basically just kind of, you know, yamas are, you know, they call it kind of, you know, like social and, you know, like ethical ways. We just kind of, you know, look a little bit like what are the things that are not cool and they are not sell serving me from just kind of the social and ethical point of view, the way I'm looking just kind of in the walls. And then niyamas are more kind of connected to just kind of, you know, like the self-discipline. And that is kind of more collective, like tapas and stuff like that. Just kind of, you know, like that's more connected, I think, to asana practice. The yamas, I, they are more kind of, you know, social, you know, and ethical, you know, ones, you know. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you can, you, you go ahead and just kind of, you know, you know, whatever you feel just kind of to add to it or, or expand on it, you know, feel free to do that. You know, I love what you're saying, though. I think that's a great tip for anybody listening to just Google what are the yamas and niyamas of yoga and start with even just one of them to understand how to bring that into their life. I think that's a fantastic tip or suggestion. And then just so listeners kind of have a sense, these, um, initial principles at the beginning of a yoga path basically set us up so that we don't, I, I always see them as so that we, we're not overly disturbed in our conscience, you know, that we're living a good life, we're living a moral life, so that when we go to our practice on our mat, there is some steadiness of our mind and our heart that we don't feel torn, you know, that we're not replaying the lies that we've been telling or feeling guilt or shame about um, things that we know we shouldn't be doing in our lives. It sets us up for a foundation where we feel steady enough to be in our bodies. And then the path of yoga, if we're talking about those eight, the eight limbs of yoga, which I suggest that everybody Googles, if you're not aware of them, the eight limbs of yoga, um, from posture is getting us in touch with our body to pranayama, getting us in touch with our breath. And then Pratyahara starting to really turn our attention inside. Yeah, that is that is pranayama after asana, right? It's a breath work, and then it's pratyahara, you know, right after that, right? Yeah. So it's yamas, niyamas, asana, pranayama, breathing, pratyahara, just kind of being able to uh, we draw from just kind of the outside noise. Uh, this is so, why is, you know, the neighbor mowing his lawn when I'm just, you know, meditating? So kind of being able to actually, you know, being, you know, that's the pratyahara, right? And yeah. then you have, you know, dharana, which is kind of practicing concentration. And then from there, it's just kind of next step is uh, dhyana, which is meditation, right? And then it's just kind of, you know, it, what it's called samadhi. And uh, some people are kind of thinking, well, I never did something. It's just being just kind of in the moment, being really fully present, right? It's just taking all those other limbs of yoga, you know, and really just living them, being in the present moment, you know. So samadhi is not out of grasp of, you know, 
any human being is just kind of, you know, coming into that state of being that you are content at peace and you are present. So that's at least that's to me what Samadhi is. And I've experienced that many times, even during the day, you have just kind of short even moments when you just feel that connectness, you know, um, on such a deep level, you know, and so that's just kind of, you know, what those eight limbs are, you know, and it's kind of one part of the yoga. This is, we are talking about the yoga, it's called Raja Yoga or Royal Yoga. There was actually a book, I think, uh, that was written just recently from Deepak Chopra, Living in the Light. So that's a book that actually just kind of expands on what we are, you know, Jill and I talking about, and that it's about the Raja Royal Yoga. It's a beautiful book that was just, I think this summer was just kind of, you know, published if if, if the listeners, you know, um, are interested in, in learning a little bit more about that. Yeah, that's amazing. I'll list all the things that we've been talking about with some resources in the text description if people can't find their way on Google to to what makes any sense. But I really appreciate you bringing up the eight limbs of yoga and just helping to expand maybe some listeners' understanding of yoga beyond what are the postures. And I really appreciate when I, I scanned your site and I'll link that too. I really appreciated your offerings look like they encompass just little bits and pieces that people can start with to feel relaxed, like yoga nidra or different practices that might suit, you know, different problems or different focuses. So I will definitely link people up to your site so they can have a little taste of what you do. And I think that's one of the things that I feel really passionate about is to help listeners take a first step. Because sometimes I think when they hear people like you and me talking and we're like, blah, 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 like this huge, vast science, like, where do I begin? How do I start? Like, this is some, some people might be listening, thinking, this is so far out of my realm of knowledge. Like, I'm overwhelmed. Like, how do I know what's a good yoga teacher? Where do I start? Or what's important? So maybe we'll, we'll end with this question, Olga, if you wanted to share with listeners some advice or suggestion as to how to get started or what's the best way to get started, what would you recommend? Yeah, uh, brilliant, brilliant question. I think if I would be someone who doesn't know anything about yoga, this would be just kind of, you know, uh, just a couple of suggestions that I would just give. I think what is really important is to have a life teacher. You know, you cannot learn yoga from books or from videos. You really have to have a teacher who is going to guide you and lead you, okay? So if you are someone who is interested in yoga, just find a place, a studio, you know, in your hometown where you can just go and try, you know, to go for some beginner classes. Now, if you're somebody who is more younger, you probably are looking for, you know, classes that are, you know, like more flow yoga classes, at least the young people, they really love, you know, this type of a class when you move just kind of, you know, with the poses, take a few breaths and move to the other pose. So you would be looking for something that's more kind of, you know, on a flow yoga side. Okay. And then if I would be just kind of someone in mid 40s, you know, mid 50s, you are looking more kind of, you know, like slow paced yoga, meaning that you just kind of, you know, go in a class where you practice 
one pose just kind of you know in a time and then the other one but there is a, just kind of a little pause in between them and it's called hatha h-a-t-h-a hatha yoga that is just kind of you know really focused on alignment you know of your body because I think that's kind of really important for yoga. And that's why I'm kind of suggesting to have a real yoga teacher is knowing that, you know, the yoga teacher knows when you are doing pose, just, you know, how to be fully supported. So when you do your pose, you know, that you actually are getting something out of it, you know, so, um, you know, finding, and also I would say that it takes sometimes time. Sometimes you might be lucky and find a teacher and it's just like, you know, I'm staying with this person. Okay. And many times it's a pathway that you will just kind of try a few different classes and just will go from there. And the pathway will just kind of, you know, unfold, you know, for, for you. There is a beautiful, beautiful book that I probably just kind of also would, you know, suggest and that it's, let me see if I can see it in my uh, in my files when I when I uh, share this with my uh, with my students. I think it's from Judith Lasseter. She's also one of the yoga teachers that you know are still alive and around, and she's kind of you know really pretty powerful. I, and I think it's just kind of a daily wisdom of yoga. Her her book, I just forgot a, a year of year of living your yoga. So that would be probably just kind of, you know, really, you know, a good source, you know, of, you know, information. But there are many, many, it doesn't matter. You just kind of go and pick a book, you know, about yoga and start from there. You don't have to start right, but definitely finding the place, finding the teacher, and even being just kind of very you know, articulate what you are looking for. You know, if you do have a back pain, you want to find uh, someone who has the understanding. You don't want to go to general class. You just say, I need to have a yoga teacher who is aware what that is, you know, because there are, you know, sometimes things that you, it's good to stay away from back pains, or it's actually very important to do back, back pains. And so you need to do, you need to know what you need if you do have actually some issues and, and if you need any help, you know, you can reach out to Jill or me. I would be very happy to just kind of, you know, give more resources on the side of uh, chronic back pain because, you know, it's something that I have been really working with people with this, you know, problem a lot. So if you need some more resources, I would be more than happy to give it to you. So be very vocal. Just ask, you know, ask people who have been doing yoga. Maybe you might have a friends, you know, who do yoga? Just where do you go, you know, and what kind of th classes you take and just go from there, you know? So that's I how love, I would look at it. Yeah, yeah I, I love that answer. I think it is bang on. I think we do need a teacher. I think yoga has always been taught from teacher to disciple. And I think you're right on the money when you say like, Try again. If you don't find what you want in that teacher, try a different teacher. If you don't find what you want in that teacher, try another teacher. If you're determined enough, you will find somebody that works for you. You find somebody whose voice you like to listen to, whose pace or style or rhythm or the ambience that they create, somebody that makes you feel safe and heard. And I think you're right on the money when you say, to vocalize what you want, what your challenges are, reveal a little bit about who you are so your teacher can help you. And the other thing that I would say 
to add to that is for people to recognize that it isn't a magic pill. It is not a wave a magic wand kind of practice that you are going to have to commit to the practice and be consistent with practice in order to feel the benefit. And that can take three weeks, a month, maybe a couple months, but it's not going to happen in one class. So <laughs> to give it a little bit of time, once you find the teacher that you're that works for you to to commit for long enough that you can start to feel the benefits. And I think at that point, my experience is that, as you said, then the path just starts to unfold. You start to be given um, the next opportunity to lead you in in the direction where you're where you're meant to head. When you are saying that, just one more thing, just kind of that it's kind of arising in me to uh, point on is that it's really, really, if you are especially a beginner, to go in a class that it's more kind of like based on maybe eight or, you know, it's a course. Because when you go into a beginner course, uh, there is a much greater possibility to learn progressively and going from one step to another step, okay? Because a lot of people, when they start yoga, if you go hit and miss, you know, you will go to one class that is completely crazy, you know, doing stuff that you're like, I am, I'm not going to do yoga. This is way too hard. So it's just really good just, you know, to, I always teach like that. I just don't teach like anybody who wants to come to on Wednesday, just come. I, I'm just the type of a teacher that I really love to create something, you know, in the course of eight weeks or 12 weeks. And so that's kind of a way I teach. And, and I like it because there is some sort of a progression in that. When you are above that level, then you can do whatever you want to do. But especially for someone who is beginner, I would just kind of, you know, really suggest to find a place that you know that it's just kind of, you know, taught in some sort of a concept asking do you have a course you know for beginners you know and what it's like you know and so that would be something that i especially for beginners when you are beyond that you just kind of know what you are doing and then you might be more curious but i think in the beginning it's really important just kind of you know to have somebody who can lead you through just the basics how to ground through the feet how to align your spine how to breathe you know just the whole art of relaxation and stuff like that so you want to have somebody who is really knowledgeable i think that finding a great beginner teacher is just you know, an amazing blessing to just the pathway. And the last thing is don't give up because it really, even if you just kind of feel like, oh, I'm not sure, you know, keep going, give yourself, you know, permission to really enroll and try at least eight or 10 classes before you just would give up, you know, don't give up after first or second or third class, just give yourself permission to go a little longer and then decide, you know, if it's something that it's feeding you or not. I love that. Well, I hope listeners that you take something away from our discussion today, some first step that you might um, take in the wellness, in the direction of your health and wellness. I know for myself and for all of my clients that yoga has been a godsend, a blessing and a path 
into that whole health in mind, body, and spirit. So my intention in these discussions is always to inspire you to find a similar path. And Olga, I really appreciate you sharing your wisdom. And I can just so clearly see your dedication and your passion in helping people in that same way. So thank you for being you and sharing a little bit more with us today. Thank you, Jill. It was a pleasure. Thank you. May all beings be happy.